Taylor's Intersection was a chance for me to have a medium where people could talk about the intersection of money and meaning. I've been in sales 16 plus years and I know for the most part it's binary. One, zero, one, zero, one, zero. If you bring in enough money, then you're a good person. If you don't, you're not so much of a good person. The sales world is binary and missing something important that goes beyond meeting quotas. This is how to prevent selling your soul and wasting valuable years of life. But sales can be more than just a money grab. It can be meaningful and enjoyable. And those who can better explain this meaning are not your cookie cutter by the sales book vanilla people. They're my guests. And hope you enjoy the first season. More to come in the second and seasons beyond. Um, these are colorful people and they discuss how they derive fulfillment, meaning, enjoyment, and also what they're bringing to the positive evolution of sales. And it continues to be wonderful. For the uh, patients, yeah, um, no, thank I'm you. Just gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and roll. Um, yeah. I think it's recording already. So, um, podcast number six with Casey Jones. Um, I'm also a Jones, Eric Jones, actually. So, um, uh, sales intersection is where we talk sales with the intersection being a unique perspective on business trends, whether it lightly touches on sales or go, goes heavy. And today we have Casey Jones, a huge advocate of underrepresented sales professionals. Um, and that was more or less the foundation, right, of, of you founding the podcast, The Other Side of Sales. Um, and in addition to that, uh, another accolade, recently named one of top 35 influential women to, to watch by Sales Hacker. Um, she hasn't won an Oscar or an Emmy yet, but we'll just proceed with the podcast. Fabulous. <laughs> uh, it's good to be here. Well, way to go. How does that happen? Do you get like a, an email or something or you get like something in the mail or someone taps no, you on the you shoulder just, when you're you walking? Just get, you just get an email and you get, you get added to a blog post, you know. And what do you do? Always... Do you like take it, have a drink or call your best friend? Uh, no, you, cause you always get the, you get the email at like, I don't know, nine 30 in the morning on a Monday. So it's not really oh. the best time for kind of celebrating, but still it's, you know, it's fun. And especially when I got it, I was much less. Yeah. Oh, you freeze on me. I'm going to put this on uh, my own computer. Wait, there okay, you there you are. It's working. Okay. Um, anyways, a lot of little mishaps here, but I wanted to focus on, you know, the more interesting questions. I know you get kind of the background and stuff. Um, when I did my research, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm a sales guy myself. I know that you used to lead an SDR team. 
and oh. you didn't find enough meaning fulfillment in that that grind and you know that i i also found that and that's why it's really the reason i founded this uh this company and this podcast is to find more meaning in in sales and show more color than a black and white world where you're either performing well or you're not and that's who you yes. are um and so, you know, I know that when you're a little girl and someone asked you what you want to be, you'd say a politician or a um, famous movie star, right? I thought, at, so I just had my 38th birthday. I thought by 38, I would either be like a member of Congress or have won an Oscar at this point. Um, if you'd asked me when I was like 17, it would have been won an Oscar. By the time I was like 19 or 20, it was, I would, I would be a member of Congress. So um, things have changed a little bit over the years. Well, you could probably make an argument that there's a little bit of both in your world today, right? Um, yeah. I, and look, I mean, I think there's a couple of things like one, what it really means is that um I care deeply about people. Um, I care deeply about connection to people. And I also, um, you know, and, and what I've said in the past is like, I know those two answers make me sound like maybe I'm a narcissist. <laughs> I promise that's not the case. It's more that um, I want to make a difference in this world. I want to have an impact. Um, yeah. And so I think, you know, the past 20 years of my life, I've been figuring out what kind of an impact um, makes sense for me and how do I go about doing that? And I know I'm not alone sure, in that sure. process. Um, I think that's increasingly common, especially these days about wanting to feel like your life matters and like you're doing something positive in the world. Yeah. Is there any way you could turn up your audio at all a little bit more? Yeah. Does that better? I have it pretty cranked. More? Um, that's like, um, wait, is that it's, it? No, it's just that's fame. Nice. I just that's want to, like, I don't want to miss anything you're saying. Okay. Here. How about this? That's is better. that better? Okay. Yeah, better. There we go. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, the way I thought of this, uh, the value for, for you and really for the listeners is, is around people, you know, you have a big emphasis around, um, people, not the you know, if it, to put it in, in, in a sales analogy, not the latest sales methodology or the, the way to close a deal is it's the people, maybe the culture or, you know, who you, who you work with. Um, you know, what was, how, how did you get that, um, that view? I mean, of, of valuing people. I mean, I, I think most people value people, but, um, to, to that extent that it's, that it's all about people. Um, okay. Here's a great example. So the last time I was on a sales team, um, I worked at a startup that had an amazing culture when I joined and I got to work for a sales leader who is genuinely like one of the kindest humans in the world. And company was based out of San Francisco, the uh, sales development and then account management office were based in Portland, which is where I was. And um, our Portland office had an unreal 
culture. I mean, I haven't worked for this company in five years and we all still get together probably once a year to have happy hour with each other because we're all still so close. Like, you know, when I got married, I'm divorced now. When I got married, I'd only worked there maybe four or five months. I didn't even like invite anybody to my wedding and they still, um, um, everybody chipped in and bought um, all the champagne flutes on my registry. They knew um, I was gluten-free and they got me a gluten-free like chocolate cake and they um, figured out what my wedding colors were. And they gave me this huge bouquet of flowers in my wedding colors. And then they kicked me out of the office at 10 AM on like my last day before I took off for the wedding. Like this is what we did. And as a result, like we all worked our asses off. We worked so hard. We were all so passionate. We were all so kind and wonderful to one another. And then you'd go to the San Francisco office and you'd be like, oh, shit, this is weird. And when, as the company was really growing, they made these, um, the sales team especially was like all heart. And we had this sales leader who is based in San Francisco who like, Okay, he definitely made some inappropriate jokes. He was kind of an HR nightmare, but literally everyone knew that he would walk through fire for you. And so we all just like, we were in it and we felt it was like a family and we cared about the work we did. And, and as a freaking SDR at a tech company, you felt like you were like saving the world because they had this way of making it feel so heart driven. Yeah. Yeah. That means so much. I mean, I've been on both sides where it's absolutely horrible and you know, it's agony going that through. That didn't get it. The week. Had no idea, like, what was kind of going on. And um, the culture just started to disintegrate. And overnight, people started being cold with one another. People started leaving. The culture completely shifted. And the company really started to falter. And their, their growth 100% stalled after that. And to me, it was like... It, it all came down to people and um, what I loved about being in sales. So, so before I led a team of SDRs, I was an account executive. I, it's when I didn't work in tech, when I made the transition to tech, I like took a step back to take a leap forward. And that's when I started um, back doing sales development. But then I switched to marketing while I was at that company as well. And, and the connection for me of, Sales and sales development and marketing is what I love to do and what I call relationship building at scale. So how do you, how do you, whether it's marketing or whether it's sales, how do you, how do you scale it successfully, but how do you do it in a way that makes every single person you touch feel like they've actually built a relationship with you, feel like there's actually like an intimate connection between them and you and your company. And um, I just, when you have this emphasis on the people that work for your company that are doing this work, but then also the people that you are selling to, not the companies, the people, um, the work is more rewarding. Everybody just feels better about it. 
And you learn a lot more and you learn a lot faster because you're actually taking the time to kind of listen and understand and kind of grow together. So yeah, good segue then begs the question, what is your process for interviewing and hiring your teammates to ensure that your team is, you know, that cohesive unit? I got to be honest, I'm kind of a shitty hirer. Like I am someone who I, I go off of gut feeling and I also trust people a little bit too much about what they say. And, and we talk about, we actually had this conversation on my team pretty recently because we're, we're thinking about um, looking for an intern or a couple of interns. And I, you know, we joked about the fact that like, I am not, I'm not a great manager. Um, if somebody doesn't, I like, if somebody doesn't tell me that they're struggling, somebody doesn't like communicate that with me, I'll just assume everything is fine. And we've had a couple of issues on my team where it took me a couple months to realize that someone just like literally wasn't doing their job. And because I kept trusting that things were getting done and we were moving so quickly that I wasn't doing a good enough job of like really being super detailed and following up. What I can say though is I am a good leader. Like if somebody does come to me and they're like, hey, I'm struggling with this, I will stop everything and I will do everything I can to get them the support that they need to get to where they want to go. And we work like really well on it, like as a team and like a cohesive unit. But I need people that are super self-sufficient and really motivated to do those things on their own. And I haven't been great in the past at interviewing for that. Um, I think I'm getting better at like understanding where I've gone wrong there. Um, Where I am better is like, okay, when we have the team, how do we support one another? And I mean, especially with COVID when we're not in the same office anymore, we have, we have daily standup. We have our morning call where we just check in on what's going on in the day. Dude, these calls are like my favorite part of the day. We laugh our asses off. Like we are telling jokes. Like we are, we are, you know, we're a little team. It's just three of us. We, they are family. We are so close. I was my boyfriend made fun of me the other day because he said that I, that I was humble bragging because I was bragging to him about how my 24-year-old employee will text me at like nine o'clock at night on a Friday about something personal. And I'm like, yes, yes, like I'm cool enough that she is, that she like, that we are that close. And so I think the big thing is, and especially as we as a country are going through, what a freaking time we have to care about our colleagues and our employees um, more than about the work that they do. Yeah. Really have to see the whole person and do everything you can to understand what is their vision for their life? Who do they want to be and how can you do everything you possibly can to get them there? Yeah, it's not an extra ping pong table or love seat or, you know, some kind of yeah. um, happy hour, right? I feel like in 30 years, it's going to be one of the, you know, how we look back 40 years, 
how we treated women or you know racism or something like that work culture is going to be looked at like you guys did what you know oh yeah um it's crazy (laughs) you know and and it's an it's it's an exploding uh you know industry right hr and and how to make your employees happy and fulfilled and Yeah, but here's the thing that, like, I don't, I think not enough people understand, like, you can't rely on HR for that. Like, HR's job is risk mitigation. HR's job isn't to really help people thrive. There are departments that can kind of think through that, but really they are, they are like the CYA department, cover your ass department for corporations. So every manager out there has to be thinking through like what they personally can do to support their team. And I'm a big believer in this concept of like, you know, a servant leader. Like what do you, what can you do to support and serve your, your team, your employees um, so that they can achieve that kind of level of greatness and you can just get out of the way. And I, and I can't say like from very personal experience, you know, I just went through what is by far the most horrifying and traumatic experience of my life. And I, you know, I spent almost a week in the hospital. I was not working or very, very barely working for about a month. And, you know, my team was absolutely 100% there for me. They pulled out all the stops to support me during that time. And they kept our business afloat. They kept the lights on. They kept the, you know, the machine running. And so I know that so often there are employers that are like, oh, if I, I give them an inch, what, you know, they're just going to take it and I'm going to get nothing in return. And it's like, no. People aren't like that. And if you give generously and you really support your team, they will do everything they can to return that favor and support you in return. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you made the switch. I mean, you became an entrepreneur. You had no marketing experience. You're not a good manager, um, but you have, a, you have a huge heart. People love you. People want to work for you, right? Um, and and you have kind of a probably a big big vision person, right? Yeah. So so that, I did have marketing experience because I transitioned to marketing by the time I went out on my own. But okay. when I transitioned to marketing, I had, I had zero marketing experience. Like I went from sales, and they gave me a project and a department and I had basically no oversight. And they were like, here, figure out this marketing problem. And I literally had no idea what I was doing, but I figured it out. Um, we, you know, to quote Marie Forleo, everything is figure outable. <laughs> and um, it's actually, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, The Martian. I, I waited for I waited forever to see this movie because I thought it would be like really depressing and scary. It's like a, it's an, an astronaut gets trapped on Mars is basically the, the premise of the movie. It turns out it's actually really, really funny. Oh, Matt Damon? With Matt Damon. Yeah, I watched, the, I watched it. The very end of it, he 
talks about um, he's 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 teaching a, a class of wannabe astronauts, and he's like, okay, no matter what, at some point you are going to think that you're going to die, and all you can do is solve one problem at a time. And I feel like it's like the perfect analogy for life. Like shit is hard. We have no idea what we're doing at any given point. You're like overwhelmed with stuff and you just have to figure out like what's the most immediate problem? What's the, what's the most urgent problem? And you solve that one. And once you got that, you move on to the next one. And like, it's amazing what we can do in this life if we just take that attitude. I had a question and I'll, I'll get to it, but yeah. um, what do you do, do you do something on the side to kind of, to keep you, to give you a little bit of Zen so you can focus on one problem at a time? I mean, what's your, the, your you time? Is it yoga, meditation, you know, chanting? Um, so I am a big believer in habits and routines. So I, um, do, um, the Wim Hof breathing method every night before bed, which is basically like super deep meditative breathing. Um, every night before bed, I also write my list of the things that I plan on doing the next day. I find I sleep way better when I do that and I get a lot more done the the following day. Um, When I wake up in the morning, um, I start every day um, either with some form of exercise. I'm finally back on the Peloton. Um, uh, Usually a big glass of celery juice, um, usually some meditation and um, a cold shower. And um, cold shower. Mm-hmm. Well, I start with a hot shower, but then it's like um, anywhere from two to three or four minutes of as cold as I can stand it. Um, and uh, like, I'm just, I am a big believer in like having your systems and routines and you do the things that like kind of make you feel better. When I was commuting, I walked to the train and I always listened to a nonfiction audio book. And then I read on the train Um, and I read a lot. I right now watch a lot of the great British baking show, which let me tell you, if you want to be in a good mood and just like feel like life and people are wonderful, it's the best ever. Um, and you know, I mean, I, I think those are kind of the big things that I do on a consistent basis to feel as Zen as I possibly can. Oh, I also um, see my therapist once a week. And now as I've been recovering from things twice a week, so I kind of feel like everyone should be in therapy. Yeah. Do you guys do that remote right now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So what was the moment when you decided you were going to go do your own thing? And was it, I mean, was it, Looking back, was it the right time? Was it just, it didn't matter if it was the right time or not? It, you had enough and I mean, what? what, what? Uh, it was not the time I had intended. So at the time I was running, I was the head of marketing for an early stage startup. And it's actually sort of 
the timing was a little bit of a coincidence. So I had been asked to go to Beirut, Lebanon for 10 days to lead a series of like um, go to market and like growth strategy workshops for the first ever partnership between the UN and a startup accelerator. And side note, um, the neighborhood where this accelerator was and the hotel that I was staying in and where a bunch of the friends that I met there lived is actually right next to where those huge explosions happened in Beirut. So it's been really, really devastating seeing um, those videos. Um, but while I was there, I had just an incredible experience and I had gone over there with total imposter syndrome and sort of thought, what the hell can I teach these people? They're trying to solve real world problems. Um, but I got an amazing feedback about the value I provided, about the things that they learned. And so I came back to the States like on cloud nine and was like, oh God, I love this. I love this like mentoring and coaching of these startups. And I was like, I would love to do this. And I thought, you know, in like eight or nine months, I think I want to leave and I want to, I want to go out on my own and I want to do this work. And the second day I got back, I found out that the startup I was working for had run out of money. <laughs> so at that point I was like, well, shit, um, do I try to find another job um, or do I go out on my own? And I took a call with a woman I really respect and we'd been working on like a, a project together. And so I was giving her an update. I'm like, well, this project's not happening. And here's why. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, I was like, I'm not hundred percent certain if I want to find a job or if I want to go out on my own. And she's like, oh, if you go out on your own, like I need a marketing consultant, I'll hire you. And so that was my first client. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I don't think I applied as much intention as maybe <laughs> would have been valuable down the line. Um, but it all just kind of came together and um, it worked out. That's great. Um, and it, I mean, I'm, you know, I just started my own, my own thing and uh, the launch of the website should be coming soon and just creating something, you know, just whether it's a birdhouse or you know uh something of your own there is just so much more fulfilling it really is um then you know though i don't know if you're finding this the hardest part it's like anything the the best part of it is also the hardest part like i found especially early on like what's great about doing your own thing is like the blend of the personal and the professional, you get this, like, it's just so much more rewarding. But I also found that like, if I had a shitty day, like if my boyfriend and I got in a fight or something like that, I had a much harder time not bringing that to work. Whereas when you work for someone else, you, it's like just much easier to leave home at home and work at work. And it just doesn't, <laughs> it's harder when you go out on your own or like you have a bad day in the office and it's just much harder to, to let it go when you're at home, it gets easier. But I just like, that was by far the hardest part for me. in like the first kind of like six or nine months where it was like, I, my girlfriend actually just, I think I'm the opposite where I kind of block other areas out. Yeah, and, that's good that you're able to do to, that. I wasn't good at that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I do, you know, I'll, I'll try, I really try, I meditate every day and um, I, I'll try to 
you know, set a clean slate, but yeah. sometimes I just, I, I miss really big red, you know, like yeah, there's big speed bumps in the relationship and I should be addressing them and I should have to bring them up, you know, yeah. if a seven-year-old would, would notice, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, it, I mean, it is funny. It's just, um, I think it teaches you a lot about sort of where your blind spots are in life. Cause you, you, you get caught up with things, I think much easier when it's, when it's yours and sometimes yeah. it's really good and sometimes it's not so good. Yeah. Well, especially in the beginning too. I mean, right now it's just me and I'm, you know, something, well, and I have a tech guy. Um, yeah. So we, we do kind of like this digital transformation of um, going audio people trying to um you know their personal brand through video yeah. uh podcasting video prospecting you know yeah the whole slot of out, even out of the box or you know left field type uh digital media uh, mediums um and at first it was all my all you know it was just myself myself and so like building the website at first it looked terrible my friends were like oh my god like that looks like a three-year-old did it i mean i i had this idea of like yellow brick road and people were just you know but other areas that i was good at you know and yeah. so now i'm getting to the point where i'm getting some help you know yeah. some traction um and, and that feels that feels really good um so there's that um so you've, you've just gone through a uh, horrific time. Um, yeah. And by the way, are you going to keep the dog or? No, well, we don't, we don't have the dog. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so in those times, I bet you also, you've leaned on people. Um, oh yeah. I mean, so it's interesting and the, this has made me think a lot about kind of the work that I do. Um, so it happened on a Wednesday. On Thursday, I had surgery. And that Thursday night, I woke up in the middle of the night and I could not go back to sleep because I couldn't stop crying. And I realized that night that I kind of had a decision that I needed to make. And I just had this like gut feeling that if I didn't start really reaching out to people, and I didn't start speaking fairly publicly about what had happened to me that every day that I waited, it would become exponentially hard to do harder to do that. And, um, cause my instinct was like, I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to, I don't want to share this. I don't want to, I just wanted to retreat and I just knew in my gut that like, if I did that, it would make everything harder down the line. Yeah. So I made that, I made the decision on Friday to reach out to a bunch of friends and to also post about it on LinkedIn. And it's funny. It's like, it's the friends that I've made through LinkedIn and through like work connections that were 
I mean, my rider dies during this. They were the ones that were like, there was a group of women here in Portland um, that I all met through work or through LinkedIn who they took turns delivering um, food to my house so that my boyfriend and I didn't have to worry about groceries. We didn't have to worry about cooking, like any of those things for almost a month. Um, you know, Ashley Early, my podcast co-host, she um, started a GoFundMe um, to help pay with all the medical bills, which were pretty astronomical. And, and also right after COVID, which like we had a hard time um, at the beginning of COVID with business. And so it was just, it was a really tough period. Um, and it was just this really great reminder of like the work that I've done over the last couple of years of building a really powerful network, it, it saved me, saved me in a time when I didn't even know what kind of help I needed. I didn't even really know how to ask for it. And people just came out of the woodwork to support me. And it was just an, such an incredible experience and reminder of you know, the power of human connection. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you have, one thing I wanted to ask you is, it seems like, you know, one of the reasons you're successful and, and people love you and you have such a strong social network is you speak from the heart. And, yeah. and that, heart, that heart is a good heart. Um, and, I, and I follow you on, you know, LinkedIn and, and Twitter um and you know there's a lot of authenticity and you know in terms of building the brand you talk about that consistency and authenticity what about you know the people that need a paycheck and they're not as successful as you and they're just you know an account executive and if they're afraid of writing the wrong thing on LinkedIn or Twitter because it might, might not be aligned with the corporate policy or mission statement or North Star. You know, like some people don't have the luxury of, of being authentic because they, they need that money, but they, they're also, they need to be themselves. So there's a couple things. One, I think that most of the time I have conversations with people that express that sentiment, it's a cop out. The things that they want to say are not going to get them fired. I mean, we live in a world where there is, yeah, there's, there's plenty of controversial things that you could say on social media that might get you fired, but those are actually fewer and farther between the vast majority of the things that people are actually considering about saying in public are not going to get them in trouble, are not going to get them fired. It's going to help prospects understand their character and, and, and see them as real people. It's going to further their career, not endanger it. Like, yeah, don't curse out potential prospects. Don't take really provocative stances on social media, but man, everything else is fair game. And I think it's, it's to me, most of the time when I hear people say that kind of thing, 
it's imposter syndrome. It's they're really, really nervous about being themselves and it not going well. It's not about, it's not about getting fired. Um, 90% I would say of like the, the, the reasons people give about not being more active on social media, they are just forms of imposter syndrome. I hear a lot also, oh, well, I don't have anything unique to say. Damn right you do. There is no one out there that has your particular blend of experience and perspective and you know, um, thinking on things, who's been through the same things that you have, who has the same skills and passions. You have a unique voice. It's just finding that pathway to saying it. And um, I think it's, it's more a matter of taking a step back and thinking about, okay, what are my, what, what would be my goals? And I think a ton, like one of the number one things I sort of urge the clients I work with on when we're working on kind of their thought leadership is I love the Maya Angelou quote. People don't remember what you said. They don't remember what you did. They remember how you made them feel. So take a moment and think about like, how do you want to make people feel? Unless you're kind of a shitty human, how you want to make people feel is not going to piss off your, your employer. And if you can think through like, how do I want to make people feel? How do I want to, what do I want to be known for? Like, what is the takeaway I want people to have when I speak publicly? Usually the answers to those things are, hopeful and powerful and inspiring. And when you have that kind of approach, it becomes just a little bit easier to start to put yourself out there. And, you know, one thing I can just say is that, yeah, I'm now at a point where I speak very candidly. I share very personal things about my life in a, on a public forum. It took time for me to get here. And what it did is it took me kind of pushing my personal envelope and seeing how it felt. And truly every single time I have shared something hard and scary and personal, every single time I will get direct messages from people who will say, oh my God, I'm going through something so similar and I feel so alone. Thank you for saying that. Or I went through that and I didn't know how to talk about it. And you make it make me feel like maybe I could talk about it. And like, be willing to just push yourself just a tiny bit. And I promise the response is, is going to be one of support. And it will get easier and easier and easier to do it. But you have to be willing to kind of push yourself. I could see an alternative job for you being like a therapist or, you know, there's probably like a long line of people that want to want you as a mentor. <laughs> um, but well, who's, a lot of what I say, do oh, is kind of like it kind of what I do is like thought leadership therapy. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm, I'm feeling soothed. Um, who, who are your mentors 
Or I mean, um, even if you don't talk to them, who, who do you look up to that's in your space? Well, I am very, very lucky because I get to talk to a lot of my mentors. So John Barrows has been an unbelievable friend and mentor to me. Um, and I look up to him a ton. Trish Bertuzzi, um, Lars Nelson has been an amazing supporter and mentor of mine. Um, here in Portland in the startup community, um, Rick Tarosi, who we refer to lovingly as the godfather of, of Portland startups. Um, he's been a really powerful mentor. Um, also a man named Stephen Green here in Portland. Um, it took me a really, really long time in my career to have mentors. And it's the, my number one regret about my earlier career is that I did not seek out and kind of cultivate those relationships. Um, and now one of the greatest joys of the work that I do now and the career that I've built is that I get to be a mentor to um, young salespeople, young founders, because um, it's very, very satisfying to play even the tiniest role in helping somebody recognize how freaking great they are. Yeah, yeah. Um... When was the last time you were kind of wooed by a salesperson? How do, how do they go about wooing, you know? How do they you get know, you to accept a phone call or the meeting or the... I've had some really shitty recent experiences with salespeople, which I hate because I love salespeople. And so it's really annoying when salespeople give, me, give us a bad name. Um, I actually, what was it, like two days ago maybe? And this guy had sent me a couple emails and I totally ignored it and... He just, I, I picked up the phone and I was like, God damn it. It was a guy from, um, what is it? Fresh books. It's like an accounting thing. And he had like a really, really great phone pitch and was really good at asking questions and actually made me feel like he listened to when I would respond. And he even said when I was like, when I was like, well, I feel like I'm good over here. And he was like, oh no, no, no. He was like, I get that. He was like, like he, he just listened and was like, didn't try to like sell me on switching that part. And was like, you know, but would you be open to talking about this other stuff? And I was like, you know what? Okay. And, uh, it was like one of the best cold calls I've had in a really long time. That's and true. while I was on it, I was like, Oh, he got me. But then I was like, all right, all right. You're pretty good. And, and it's um, always I, I do want to be sensitive to time. Cause you have it. You said you had a two o'clock meeting. So, okay. and I, I wish we had more time, but we, we had 15 minutes of just horrific yeah. problems. <laughs> can set up. But we're, um, what are you, what's exciting for you? I mean, uh, if, if you were going to decide the topic today, what would you decide or what's, what's the future, you know, that, that, you know, that topic that might be, that might coincide with the future of a better Jones, your company. Um, well, the biggest thing that I'm really focused on now is we are really focused on this um, coaching program that I'm building out. We've had a couple of people, I have a you know couple of um, new coaching clients that I've onboarded and we're going to be creating kind of a group element as well, but that's all about thought leadership. And I talk to a ton of founders and entrepreneurs and also senior executives who think, 
my company would be doing better. My career would be doing better if more people knew who the hell I was and respected me for the work that I do. And I don't know how to do this. And I think everybody deserves to have the support they need to kind of find that voice and find a way to like build a platform where they can actually have an impact. And I think we're going to see a lot more people, especially in this age where people are going through such hard times, thinking about how do I leverage my career? How do I leverage my expertise and experience to have a meaningful impact on my community and my industry. That's great. Um, well, I'll say goodbye. I really appreciate you uh, giving me the time being on the yeah. show. Do you want to promote anything or say where people can find you? Um, yeah. So just go to a betterjones.com. I also, we are building a um, free Slack community and just like coaching and content resource that is all about um, learning how to become a thought leader and kind of build an authentic personal brand. And that is called Our Galaxy. And if you go to ourgalaxy.co, you can join. Um, we have bi-weekly webinars. We do AMAs almost every week with experts. And it's a really, really fun and rapidly growing community. And I would love to uh, see your listeners there. Gotcha. And uh, this will be on sales. My company, salesisevolving.com, but that's launching, I don't know, uh, in the next couple I, of weeks. So Sales Intersection Podcast on YouTube, Sales Intersection Podcast on Spotify if you prefer to listen. Um, and I'll follow up with you soon because I'd like, awesome. to, I'd like to listen to these and let, you know, digest and, and yeah. then come back with some questions. So, well, and as you build out your business and especially, you know, like we were just talking about, you've got the sales background, but not the marketing. If you ever want a sounding board or want to talk through it, don't hesitate to let me know more than happy to do that. Well, thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, hope you enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Casey.